This is East Carolina All-American Bryant Packard, and we're talking pirate baseball in the sports objective. going on pirate nation or others who may be tuned in uh, you're watching the sports objective coming to you live on facebook as well as youtube we're talking east carolina pirate baseball today as well as just college baseball in general i'm very excited to welcome back into the show the general manager of the dirt bags trey daly trey we appreciate your time this afternoon oh Bob, i appreciate you having me and working me in in your busy schedule yeah uh, excited to have you back on the show it's been a while and probably a couple years but uh Love to talk about what the Dirtbags have going on and then just talk baseball in general with you. It's an exciting time of year. And before we really dive into the Dirtbags, you know, talk about uh, have you had a chance to, to watch the regionals and super regionals over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I've actually watched a whole lot of it. I've watched, um, obviously, the uh, Pirates. I watched them in their regional. I've watched a bunch of games. I've stayed up late at night. It's probably too late for me to watch games and you know, I fall asleep in some of them, and I wake up and catch the end, like the Texas game last night with, uh, you know, misplayed ball and right field because of the twilight. I mean, that's just a tough break. But college baseball is awesome. I love it watching it. You know, I love watching the kids that have been on the circuit before, and now they're out there playing for a respective college team. Yeah, as you take a look at this year's Omaha field, um, we were discussing this a little bit off the air, and – you hear it, uh, you whether it's Coach Godwin in East Carolina or other college coaches, talk about the impact of COVID, talk about the impact of the portal and NIL and all these things that are um, now impacting the college game and the parity around the country. Uh, you, you had three of the top six seeds not advance out of the regionals and then seven of the top 16 seeds not advance out of the regionals. And um, then you, you have a four seed like Oral Roberts make it to Omaha. Yeah, it's, you know, across the landscape of college baseball, I always say, you know, to be, to get to that level in Omaha, you have to be really, really good. Um, I really think, you know, we just talked about off the air, but you got to have the horses in the stable to get there. You know, I tell everybody that asked me about East Carolina baseball this past year, I don't think that staff gets enough credit for how well they played. You know, after last year, they lost some guys and, to come into this year and win 47 games. I mean, that's really hard to do in college baseball in general, because, you know, like we talked about off the air, your midweek games, you're trying to, you know, progress the freshman arms and then the younger arms for the weekend. You're trying to throw your dudes. But if you lose a lot of midweek games, the RPI and your chances of hosting and it all starts to de- deteriorate. But, you know, with the 47 wins East Carolina staff had this past year, a lot of credit goes to uh, that staff and, you know, especially Austin Knight, the pitching coach. I thought their their arms were sensational this year. Yeah, that's something you, you look at it the last five full seasons, um, just the level of consistency, obviously four straight regular season titles within the American and going back to 2018 uh, when East Carolina 
had that um, hosting opportunity and, and did not advance. The only time that the Pirates have hosted and, and not advanced, um, they've won at least 44 games in each of the last five seasons. Um, obviously, 2020 um, fell you know, to the wayside or went to the wayside after just 17 games, but 44 wins, 47 wins, 44, 46, 47. It's unbelievable the consistency um, that Cliff Godwin, Jeff Palumbo, Austin Knight, and that staff have have been able to produce. Yeah, I, you know, Cliff made a comment on Pirate Radio yesterday about if you don't want to work hard, don't come here. And, you know, that's that's 100% true with him. You know, any kid that I coach – or in our organization, not only if they're talented, but if, you know, they got to be tough. So, you know, when Cliff asked me and his staff asked me about a kid in our program, if they're not tough and they don't work hard, I can promise you I'm not putting my name on a kid to go over there because I've known Cliff for 20 years. He's always been that way. He's got one motor, and that motor's not stopping. It might stop for some gas, but he's going to get back on the highway and keep rolling. So you better work hard and be tough to go there and play. Let's take a look at some of those guys that the Dirtbags have that are um, headed to East Carolina, whether it's in the 2023 class or beyond. And then uh, we'll branch out from there and talk about some of the other excellent talent you have within your program that are headed to North Carolina, NC State, or Wake Forest, wherever. But um, so starting with the 2023 class, um, uh, I'll start with Ethan Norby. I, I know he's the guy that Played some baseball for you guys uh, out of East Forsyth, and obviously the brother, the brother of Connor Norby, that's now knocking on the door of playing in the big leagues for the Orioles. Yeah, so with and I'm I'm very excited to talk about these kids because man, they're all great kids, great players. But with Connor, so we got Ethan Norby, so I can remember like it was yesterday. So Connor obviously is playing Double A last year. I think he's playing Double A, and I get a call from him. I'm saying it's eleven o'clock in the morning. I get a call from him. And, I think I was taking my kids to school where I was doing something, and I missed it. So I was like, man, this is kind of odd. Let me call him back. So I thought, honestly, he was calling me to go, hey, like, I got released. You know, I'm looking to get back into baseball. And he's like, hey, Trey, I need a favor. And I'm like, all right, what you got? He's like, man, I need you to go watch my brother pitch and tell me how good you think he is. So I'm like, okay. You know, I'm walking over there expecting, not expecting what I saw. But I walk into Charlotte, excuse me. South Mech, they were playing Charlotte uh, Christian. And Charlotte Christian had 12 Division One players on that team. So there is every pro scout in there watching Xavier Isaac in 2022. And now um, Ethan is pitching. And that day, they lost the game two to one. But that day, he was 84-87. Now he's left-handed. He's 84-87 with three pitches in the zone. He was on our scout team, which is our second team here with the Dirtbags in 2022. And I walked out of that complex, and I told his mom, I said, we're going to change the team he's on. And I called Connor, and obviously he was playing that night. I said, hey, man, call me when you get this message. And I walked in there, and he and I walked out and called Connor, and then Connor called me back after the game, and he's like, what do you think? I was like, Dude, your brother can really, really pitch. So, so Cliff, obviously, Coach Godwin has a great relationship with the Norby family. So, Coach Godwin was actually talking with the mother um, about Ethan and in previous uh, previous days, and she was sending him some video. 
And I went over there, and after that game, I called. I was either Cliff or Jeff. I don't remember which one, but I called him. It's like, hey, you guys have really got to see this dude. Like, he can really, really pitch. And Connor was like, man, you, you can be honest with me. And I'm like, dude, he can really, really pitch. So it's interesting. We roll out to the UBC, which we're going next week last year, and we played the Canes team, Jeff Petty's uh, top team. And they are loaded. That team is loaded. And they threw a guy from California that was like 90-94 against us. Now, we didn't score, but we threw a kid by the name of Ethan Norby, and they didn't score either. And he was 84-87, three pitches in the zone, you know, back foot and sliders to left-handed hitters. I mean, it was like – or, excuse me, the right-handed hitters. Um, it was it was very impressive. And he walked out of there that day. He had an offer from North Carolina, East Carolina, and, you know, uh, the the Connor Norby pirate connection is what steered him that way. Another pitcher um, for that twenty three class is Michael Irby, six four, uh, out of Cox High School in in Virginia. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, so Michael pitched for us. So it was the fall of twenty twenty one when we came up as runner up in Jupiter. He was an underclassman. He pitched in a huge game for us. He's a right-hander. He's anywhere from 85 to 90, somewhere in there. Um, he's got some deception in the delivery. Uh, he can spin the breaking ball. Uh, he's a really he can he's a really really good strike throwing right-hander. Um, good command. He's got three pitches in the zone. When you talk, start talking about these pirate pitchers, for the most part, most of them have really good command, um, and that's something Coach Knight really looks for. So he's got a, you know, he can really command the zone. He pitched in the Sweet 16 game for us in Jupiter in 2021. Um, we won the game. Him, uh, him, Jacob Kirby, who's going to North Carolina, and Harrison Lewis, who's going to North Carolina. Those three pitched in that game, punched the ticket. We got to the Elite Eight, obviously made the national championship game. Um, got beat by a kid by the name of Ethan Petrie in the world championship game. So he had a pretty good year this year as a freshman in college baseball. While we're um, – or actually, before we talk about Michael's brother, Austin, who's part of the 24 class, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But uh, Bristol Carter, uh, he's from the, the Piedmont Triad area, I think Northwest Guilford High School, and he's one that I've, you know, I've heard, you know, your, your Stephen I goes with Hoist the Colors in 94-3 the game, as well as others, say to keep an eye on as to whether he'll um, make it to campus or not. Yeah, he – and I don't say this lightly, but he is a special player. Like, he thinks at times that he can outrun the baseball how fast he is. So, you know, I, I, every time I think of Bristol, I think of the we were in we were in Atlanta in 2021. And I've got Tayshawn Walton in the box, who's a 6'4 African-American right-hand hitter, 240 pounds. It's in the first inning. Bristol leads off. He gets the third with one out. And we've got Tayshawn in the box. Now, Tayshawn is a big dude. And Bristol keeps going to me in third base box. Hey, I can steal a plate. Hey, I can steal a plate. Hey, I can steal a plate. And I was like, Bristol, don't do it. Like, we're going to have contact here. He's not going to strike out. We're going to get this run. And about the third time I said, don't do it. We've got, and he's a right-hand pitcher on the mound. About the third time I said, don't do it. Bristol was stealing home with him in the box. He doesn't know he's coming. He slides in. And I think it was North Carolina's coaches were down the line. They're like, Trey, man, that's gutsy. And I'm like, I can promise you, I did not call that right there. But <laughs> with Bristol Carter, 
electric athlete. Now, you're going to see him do some things in center field. Hopefully, he makes it to campus. You're going to see him do some things and go, we haven't had a player out there like that in a long time. Like, he can really, really go get it. Um, now, in the bat, he does have some swing and miss, but he's so electric, like he speeds the game up. Now, he is a really fun player to watch. Pirate Nation is going to love that dude. Yeah, you talk about uh, him at the plate. So obviously, one of the things that uh, Coach Godwin and staff love to utilize is that short game that uh, you know, really puts pressure on the defense. And uh, and so it sounds like the, he, he may be one of those guys like a like a Lane Hoover, Luke Nowak, and really it doesn't have to be the speedy guys. Um, we, we've seen it from uh, – we were talking off the air about Eric Tyler. I remember oh, E.T. would uh, lay down a bunt back in the day. Yeah, we, I still joke with E.T. about that. You know, every time I see him on, a, on the recruiting trail, we kind of joke about that. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Bristol Carter has more foot speed than Lane Hoover and Nowak. Um He's your old-school football-type player. He played football, obviously. Um, his game speed, I'm saying he runs a 6'6", but his game speed plays like it's a 6'4". Um, you know, you've got those guys that can go and run straight lines, and they're really, really fast. Then you got those guys that get on the bases, and they look even faster. Um, I'm thinking of Corey Wood, who played for us, who went to Coastal Carolina. He's working for us now. I'm thinking of him and um, – and Bristol as the two fastest players I've seen since doing this. Who else in the 23 class um, do you have um, headed into East Carolina? Um, we've got a kid by the name of Jackson DiLorenzo. He's going to end up being on the back end of the bullpen next year, in my opinion, for the Pirates. He's going to be your closer type guy. Now, this guy is five foot ten. He's probably 220. Um and I can say this because I watched him the last three years. He, he His fastball looks like it comes out of the ground because he's so low to the ground. He's 90-93. It plays up. Um, he was the ultimate stopper for us. I can't – you know, I was trying to think earlier, trying to do some background on this. Um, I can't think of many times we put Jackson in on the mound. Hell, I can't think of any times we put Jackson on the mound in three years that he, he got hit. Like, he is the ultimate stopper. They're, uh, Pirate Nation is going to love that dude. I mean, I can hear it now. They're going to be chanting D-Lo when he comes out of the pen. Uh, but he, he's awesome, man. He's he's a tough dude. He, you're going to see that guy run out of bullpen, and he's going to say, here's my fastball. Good luck. Come and hit it because it's a low slot. I mean, it's a it's low, low slot out of there, and it's it's got some serious life to it. Shifting to the 2024 class, um, Holden Cooper, I know is one of at least five dirt bags that are committed to East Carolina. Uh, Holden Cooper out of Wakefield High School, he's an outfielder and a catcher. So talk about uh, where you see him fitting in with the Pirates. I know he was actually playing at Clark LeClaire yesterday, and uh, I saw this tweet on social media talking about that uh, experience, saying he was taking it all in, that he loved being in Greenville uh, on Today, um, that being obviously Monday, the twelfth, and um, talking about uh, the game against the Canes. Yeah, so you know we were just talking off the air with Cliff's quote yesterday on Pirate Radio, talking about if you work, if you don't work hard, don't come here. Um, Holden Cooper is the epitome of that. Um, 
you know, with, with this baseball, I can go back in my memory all the time. For some reason, I can remember it. But I remember last year, 2022, walking up at Cardinal Gibbons High School, the 2022 season, not this past spring, but the spring before. I remember walking up and uh, holding played at Wakefield. Well, so at the time, we had holding on our second team. Now, you've got to understand that some of the the kids like holding – that are baseball junkies, they make jumps. So I hadn't seen Holden since the winter of 2021. So I walk up in there and I watch, um, sorry, I walk up, walk up in there and I see Holden Cooper get up the bat. And um, I'm like, dude, like what happened to this dude? Like he's physical. He doesn't look like the same guy. He's 20 pounds heavier. And then I start watching the bat-to-ball contact. Now, obviously, in high school baseball, you don't know what kind of arms you're seeing. But, you you know, if a kid doesn't swing and miss and a kid hits pitches, you know, he's got good hand-eye. So I watch Holden. He's playing shortstop for that team for Wakefield Wolverines at the time. He's just a baseball player. Like, that kid can literally play anywhere on the diamond. If you need him to catch, he can do it. If you need him to pitch, he can do it. If he can play first, he can do it. He can play in the middle. He can play third. He can play left, right, and center. So that guy is going to find his way eventually. And I'm not saying it's freshman year, but he's eventually going to find his way in that lineup because he's a baseball junkie and he works hard. So, again, that's the ingredient for success that over there at East Carolina to sustain that, sustain that success is the ingredient to work hard. And Holden Cooper is what uh, Cliff Godwin represents. Yeah, you – you see it so many times with the flexibility that the guys that East Carolina has on its roster. I think this year you see so many highlight reel plays from AMAC, Alec Makarevich at third base, mm-hmm. and then just kind of out of the blue. I mean, I, I know that he could play there. He played there before at ECU, but uh, it had been quite some time since we had seen him in the outfield. He, he shifts out to left field and makes a sports center top 10 diving catch there. Yeah, the kid, the kid is – I mean, I'm coaching the 2026 right now. The kid's never out of position. He he know he's relaying signs. He's doing everything you want to win a baseball game. When I think of Holden Cooper, I don't think of an exceptionally, like, mega dude in college baseball, but I think of a flat-out winner. That's what that guy's going to bring to the table, a winner. He's going to help the team win. If that's push another guy to get better or – to show up late, get a hit, and put the Pirates on top, get a bunt down, go play late in and D. Like, the kid's low maintenance, and he plays hard. That's all you want in a, in a Pirate uniform. Next, let's go um, back to the Irby family. Um, we talked about Michael Austin, younger brother, class of 24, um, again, out of Cox High School in Virginia. And I had a, a gentleman, uh, one of our loyal listeners, named Johnny Gardner – excuse me, Johnny Robertson – um, he was at the game yesterday at Clark Claire, and I asked him what he had seen out of Austin Irby, and you could tell he, he had, had a bit of swagger about him, said he, you could tell the kid's uh, a leader. Yeah, so when I think about Austin Irby, I think of hitter. Like, he can really do it um, offensively. Um, it'd be interesting to see where um, East Carolina plays him, probably in the corner infield. Um, I always say it's interesting – to where they kid play kids because, you know, Joey Barini, who played shortstop this year for them and did an exceptional job, when he was playing for us, like, Joey could always hit. Um, 
you know, and a lot of credit goes to Jeff Palumbo with how well he made uh, Barini into an infielder because, you know, he was a good, solid high school shortstop, but to play shortstop at the Division One level and have success at it, like, you got to give credit to Palumbo and Barini for doing that. Um, but, you know, with with Irby, getting back to Irby, you know, I see him at first base at East Carolina, but you just never know when he gets in the weight program. Um, and, you know, they do the strength conditioning, and you never know if they can move him over to third base. You know, Jeff, Jeff Palumbo is one of the best uh, fielding guys in the country. So that will be interesting. I will tell you this, his bat will get him in the lineup, though, somewhere, if it's DH, if it's first base, if it's third base. Um, but I do see an immediate impact from him at the DH hole or at first base right away when he gets there. Now, I think the third base position, he's going to have to work on a little bit with uh, Palumbo. If if there's a need there, obviously, when you talk about college baseball, you talk about needs. What does the team need? You don't talk about this kid's good at this position. It's, well, what can you do for the team to help them win? Uh, next, in the 24 class, uh, you have a couple right-handed pitchers, uh, Ian White and Tyler Brashear. Um, from mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania, tell us about them. Yeah, so Ian White, um, actually, um, we've got he's both of those kids are the first years with us. So, you know, they're both again they're both strike throwing right handed pitchers. I mean, when you talk about kids that pitch at East Carolina, you better have fastball command and you better have a good secondary pitch. Um, you know, a lot of high school kids just stay in time. You know, they I hate to say this, but everybody goes off the of velocity. Well, once you get to once you get to college, you better be able to pitch a little bit because people, as you see in the College World Series now, they can hit a fastball always. So, you know, Ian White spins a breaking ball well. Um, Tyler Brashear is an athletic right-handed pitcher who's um, who's got a high ceiling. It's you know those guys are going to be able to come in and you know develop their changeups a little bit and probably develop another pitch. I mean, Austin Knight's really good at his job. He's one of the best out there, even though he's young. Um, he's really smart. He dives into the analytical part of it. Then he coaches the players how they need to be coached. He doesn't coach the, all the players the same. Each player is a different kid that he coaches a different way, which is the beauty of baseball. And you see some of these coaches in college baseball that they think a hitting philosophy works for one specific kid and another kid, but each kid is different. Like you've got, in my opinion, you've got to create a bond with the kid and teach your teachable moments with them so you can't just teach the kid any specific kid a special technique and it worked for every single kid out there bringing it back to the state of north carolina the you have a fifth commitment from that 2024 class on four east carolina close to home cb acock high school cameron acock an outfielder tell us about cameron yeah, so when I look at Cameron, so he is a left-hand hitter, outfielder. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to comp him to somebody. He's taller than Lane Hoover. I think Lane Hoover's bat-to-ball skills were, were a little better, which, you know, Lane Hoover was a good bat-to-ball skills. There's no knock on Cameron. It's just, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody to comp him to. He's a little bit like Hoover. Um you know, I think he's going to be able to utilize the small ball and the thing Cliff, Cliff likes to do with the slash and run. And I think he's going to be able to do some stuff like that to help the Pirates. He's probably, in my opinion, he's going to end up at, eh, he, he runs good enough. I mean, you never know. Again, we talk about the needs of what the team needs. I'm thinking 
if Bristol gets on campus, he's probably looking at, in my opinion, probably looking at center field. Cameron's probably looking at left or right field. Um, but he, he's a good player. Um, his dad coaches one of our youth teams, and they're a baseball family, baseball junkie. Um, unfortunately, he's down with injury right now, um, so we won't have him this summer. But he's a left-handed hitter who runs, and those guys seem to have a lot of success in the Pirate organization or Pirate program. Uh, because that's what Cliff uh, recruits as left-hand hitters. And especially he's right down the road. So Cliff likes to keep, keep people in the area that can play in the Greenville uh, fan base. Branching out from your East Carolina commits, you know, tell us about some of the other top kids you have in the 23 and 24 classes. You know, going to I know you referenced earlier one that's going to play for Scott Forbes at North Carolina, but um, you know whether it's the Tar Heels, Coach Avent, and the Wolfpack, et cetera. Yeah, I think you know when I think about the 2023 class, there's two kids that pop into mind, and in my opinion, he should have been. And I know everybody. Walker Jenkins is an unbelievable player. Um, but Luke Stevenson at Wake Forest actually put up better numbers than he did this year in the state of North Carolina. He's far, he's besides Chandler Siegel, who's in AAA baseball right now, he's the best catch and throw guy that I've seen since I've been doing this for 10 years with us. He's, uh, I think he hit 17 home runs this year, maybe 18. Um, he can really catch and throw, he might get drafted. Um, might not, you never know, asking price, you know, what round, again, what needs in specific clubs. But he can really catch and throw. Um, I think he's got a future to play. He's got a chance in this game to play for a very long time. Um, unbelievable kid. Uh, parents played college athletics. Um, we were very good behind the plate for two years with that kid. Or, excuse me, three years. Um, he'd been in our program for four years. I was lucky enough to coach him for three years. Um, but he can really catch and throw. I mean, I can't say it enough. You know, if he gets on to the, at North Carolina, I'm going to say right now he's going to be your starting catcher from day one. Then you go to a kid by the name of Sammy Stafura. Now, Sammy's got a chance to be a first-rounder this year. Um, that's where they're slotting him at, which you never know about the draft. Um, but he's committed to Clemson. Um, he's an unbelievable gifted player. His right-to-left movements in at shortstop are probably the best I've seen doing this. Um, we had Obviously, we had Corey Seager at the same age as Sammy, um, and Corey Seager is obviously a big leaguer and a, a former MVP. Um, he, uh, Sammy is not the hitter that Corey was at this age, but he is a really good defender that has a chance to play on the left side in the big leagues. Um, I mean, he's a 6'5 runner. He's from um, – he went to the same high school as Jackson DiLorenzo. You know, you hit the ball to him, he's at, you're out. Um, he reminds me a, a little bit of Nick Allen, who's playing in the big leagues. Um, I saw Nick play – Nick's from California. Um, he played against us back in 2017. Uh, Sammy Stafford is just an unbelievable person, but unbelievable player as well. So, you know, that class, that 2023 class was special. Not only was it very talented players, they all liked each other, which is a huge part of this stuff right now, is you got to have good team camaraderie. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that when you get in the showcase side of baseball, there's some really good players out there 
but you have to have a team concept to win. Um, you know, you can have showcase players and then you can have baseball players. We talk about Holden Cooper. Holden Cooper is a baseball player. You can show up and watch a kid, watch a kid you know, showcase, run a 6-5 and go out there and hit balls out of the yard and then the lights cut on and it looks like a deer in headlights. But, you know, you look at some of the – you look at these players and we we stress baseball players. We, you know, I, you know not um, promoting any other organization, but I was telling one of our parents this weekend that's a 2026 – they were talking about other travel teams around the country and, uh, you know, the Ostingers down in um, Orlando. I think, excuse me, they're, they're in the Orlando region. I don't exactly know where they are. Tampa region, excuse me. Um, the Ostingers are a really good program. They've got baseball players. I mean, you look at who came out of the Ostingers program. They've had Ethan Petrie. They've had Brock Wilkins. They had Ch- uh, Colby Shelton when he moved down there. Colby's originally from North Carolina. That's how, you know, we had it. But they produce baseball players, and there's a big difference from a showcase player and a baseball player. Kind of circling back to um, the College World Series that will be taking place here in a few days in Omaha over the next couple weeks, and uh, we talked about parity. And uh, you, you look at one side of the bracket, you have Wake Forest, and uh, what a story the, the Demon Deacons have been. Uh, they'll be taking on Stanford, who's making their third straight appearance in the college world series uh, but wake uh, the way they swing the bats I, I know they play in a in a hitter's ballpark but 129 home runs is impressive no matter how you slice it but obviously and then you have them far and away the top team era in the in the division one game so uh, talk about what what you've seen out of that Wake Forest program over the last couple seasons? Because Coach Walter had done a good job, but they've really taken it to another level. They won forty one a year ago, and this year the overall top seed. Yeah, so you know when I think of Wake, not only do they hit with Coach Salento, their recruiting coordinator, who does a great job at identifying guys. Um, they've got a pitching coach by the name of Corey Mascara. Um, he came from Maryland. Super smart dude. Um, he's one of the he's one of the highly rated rate pitching coaches in the country. You know, he's been offered some jobs in the SEC and turned them down. Um, you know, I saw written a lot of people don't realize there's a big transition from college from high school baseball to college baseball. So I saw Rhett Britt, um, excuse me, not Rhett Britt. Rhett Britt is going. Rhett Britt is a future uh, deacon. But I saw Rhett Louder, the same name. I saw Rhett Louder in high school ball. He pitched for North Stanley High School. And, you know, Rhett was 80-85 with a soft breaking ball. I mean, it wasn't like he had magnificent stuff coming out of high school. But you look at the developmental piece of college baseball to those guys when they get into a college program – um, you know, at Stanford, we've got a kid by the name of Matt Scott. He's one of their aces on the staff. He's in, he's in the top three of their rotation. We had him, played for us for two years. At Wake, we had Josh Hartle, had Tommy Hawk, uh, Seth Keener. We had those those guys. Um, you know, Tommy Hawk, and and you got to give Tom Walter credit here. So when when Tommy Hawk committed. He committed the year that Coastal Carolina won the College World Series. Well, they had a kid by the name of Anthony Marks, who is now the recruiting coordinator at Garner-Webb. Well, Tommy played for us his freshman year, 
And Coach Walters told him when he walked in after they won the College World Series after Coastal won it, he said, I want a player just like Anthony Marks. I want you to be our Anthony Marks of this team. Now, he committed in 2017. That's uh, six years ago. And look what he's turned out to be. Now, I've got to say this politically correct, but Tommy Holt's the guy you want in your dugout and you hate playing against him because he's a tough out, he's a baseball player, and he's going to find ways to create ruckus for the other team. So, you know, he's a fun player to watch. The parody in college baseball is fun. You know, Omaha's field is ginormous compared to Wake Forest, but they do pitch. So we'll see what shows up. You know, I'm rooting for the teams, the home state teams to win. Um, but, you know, you, you go to Omaha, Omaha's not like you're playing in Greenville or Raleigh or wherever you are. You are in Omaha with all them fans. So it's going to be a little different vibe there. And we'll see how, you know, what team can adapt to the atmosphere and, you know, when the big lights cut on. And then um, also on that side of the bracket, you have, you have LSU and Tennessee. Um, obviously, the Vols, huge favorites last year, did not make it to Omaha. And then this year, they, they do advance. And it just goes to show you how challenging it is. And then on the opposite side of the bracket, you have number two overall seed, Florida. Um, they've had a nice bounce back here because I think back five, six years ago, and I, I know you'll – certainly recall this doing what you do for a living um you know people talked about the talent that had been stockpiled in that program and is really about as good as any in college baseball and then they this is the first time they've made it to omaha since 2018 and there again it shows you how challenging it is and you know once those talented pieces arrive on your campus how they have to perform and you have to put it all together from a chemistry standpoint yeah i don't think a lot of people realize but in college baseball, especially the state of Florida. So you think about the state of Florida. Well, if Florida's really good, the administration in Florida State wants them to be just as good. Then the administration at Miami wants them to be just as good as Florida. So, you know, the parity of college baseball is out there, but there's also so much stress and anxiety on these coaches that they have to win because on those programs like Coach Sully Sullivan down at uh, Florida, they have to win. When, if a program like – I'm just going to use UCF, for example, because I love Rich Wallace, who just got the head coaching job. But if that program starts getting better players or starts having better results than Florida, well, the administration in Florida is going to be upset. It's the same way in college football down there. I mean – you know, the Mecca is the Mecca. You know, you start thinking of Tennessee and Vanderbilt. You know, Tennessee starts producing. Now, Vanderbilt's got to start producing because at, at the end of the day, these co college coaches, such as Vitello, such as Corbin, such as Sully, such as Cliff, they're all recruiting against each other when it comes down to it. Um, I think a lot of, you know, my perspective of it, when you look at kids like, I'm going to use Tommy White because he's from Florida. And you use guys like Alec Makarevich, who's from Florida. These kids that come out of the state of Florida and go to other parts of the country, such as East Carolina, such as NC State, 
you have to give a lot of credit to recruiting coordinators like Jeff Palumbo and Chris Hart for seeing that talent in that kid because you look at Miami, Florida State, Florida, UCF, Jacksonville, FIU, FAU, you look at all those schools down there in Florida, like it's cheaper to go in-state, but for them to pull guys out of the state of Florida and get them to campus in North Carolina or wherever it may be, that does a whole that's, – that's very impressive. But now all of a sudden you've got the transfer portal, and I like to say it, but the rich get richer. I mean, I don't think enough credit goes to these schools – these mid-major schools that can develop the kids. And then all of a sudden the kid's like better than he was when he was 16 years old. And now he's a man at 20 and he's going to wherever it might be. I mean, it's hard for these college coaches, especially at the mid-major level, to keep their players in the NIO deals and stuff we're in this day and time. And unfortunately, I mean – you know, there's a school right up the road yesterday that I'm really good friends with. They lost five kids in the portal, and they win 35 to 40 games every year and are a couple games away every year from the regionals. And they just lost basically their entire front line of players. So it's unfortunate. I think, you know, not to get in the, the weeds here, but I think the uh, – I don't think the uh, transfer portal is really good for college baseball in my opinion. And one of the stories of this year's NCAA tournament for a couple of days there on regional weekend was what the Penn Quakers were doing down at the Auburn Regional when Southern Miss had to come out of there by beating them twice. And um, I've seen that, that Penn, you know, a lot of a lot of Penn players are capitalizing, um, in, entering the portal, and they've been sn- snatched up by the likes of uh, Virginia Tech or um, programs of that nature. Yeah, now when you talk about like – I don't know if it's Penn, but when you talk about like Brown and Harvard and, you know, I got off the phone with the kid that's playing at Army. I got off the phone with him on Saturday. Um, You know, Army just put this new thing in that if you're a, if you are at the university, you have to serve two years after you've graduated from Army. And, you know, he's talking about pro ball. Well, you've got to go to serve two years and then come back. But like Harvard and Brown, you don't get that fifth year eligibility at those schools uh, right. with the COVID stuff. Um, you don't get those things. So with those type of schools, it's very interesting how they do things. Um, because, you know, if you're going to Yale or Brown or Harvard, let's be realistic. You're probably going there for the education. You're not going there to be a pro baseball player. But then again, the guy I was talking to that plays in Army told me, like, if you leave Army, you have to pay, I think it was a half a million dollars back to the school if you leave and get in the transfer portal. And I said, well, here's what you got to ask yourself. I say, are you setting yourself up for life? Or are you trying to play pro baseball? He said, I love I love Army. He said, my only question is if I am good enough to play professional baseball and then I have to go serve two years and then I have to start up again what should I do and I said well honestly I can't tell you what you can do I said but you got to figure out your future path is it serving this country or playing baseball and he said well it's probably serving this country so hats off to him and 
you know, it's just different for every every institution across the country. Um, you know, you get some you get some guys that come into school and I don't mind saying it on air in front of people, but to come in to be a freshman at East Carolina and participate or play is a better word for that staff, you've got to be really good. Not only really good, you've got to be really talented and really dedicated at what you're doing because with the COVID this COVID year you've got, you've got 23-year-old men in a locker room against an 18-year-old freshman. That's a big difference. And elaborate a little bit more what you were saying as far as the situation at um, Penn, et cetera. I know Davidson, kind of the same, same deal mm-hmm. where, where they don't have a, a graduate school, so they've lost guys um, where they've completed their eligibility there, you know, had their degree in hand and looking to play another year of baseball, go to the likes of a North Carolina or, or a very elite program. Yeah, like, I mean, those are just certain situations that, you know, you look at some of these mid-major schools that they get this kid in and do a great job of developing them, and then all of a sudden the grass is greener and he ups and leaves. But then you look at programs like Davidson and Brown and whatnot, and, like, those kids, they don't get an extra year eligibility. So, you know, I you know I listen to a lot of Tim Corbin talk, and, you know, he utilizes the portal for what it is. But, you know, he had he had the kid from Duke this past year. The Duke, the kid from Duke had already graduated. So like he had another year of eligibility. I think there needs to be a little balance in that. If you graduate, you can probably get another year at wherever you want to go. But like, there's still a level of commitment in my, in my opinion to who, who takes a chance on you, who, who's the first fish to, to buy in on you. It's not about, how good you get and then jump ship. I mean, you're going to have some failures in baseball. It's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest sport out there to play. You're going to have some failures, but who's stuck in there with you with thick skin and and had those bumpy days with you? Just don't think about the bright days because everybody's going to fail. And a matchup I'm really looking forward to in Omaha is the second overall seed, Florida, taking on number seven, UVA. And we look at that matchup and what a guy that kind of falls into that boat, the army example you were talking about where the, where he had to make a decision to, to move on or just stay there at the Academy. And that was Connolly early on the job he's doing the terrific Southpaw for Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's, they put this according to um, the guy, the kid I talked to, they put this rule into effect. Uh, this past year so you know they're all at a crossroads like what they want to do so when he left the rule really wasn't in effect you know everybody everybody thinks of basketball and David Robinson and the Naval Academy well that wasn't in effect either back then so you think about it Dave Robinson he had to go serve two years and then come back and play basketball now I wouldn't want to be on the the battlefield with Dave Robinson because that's a big dude but with that being said you know, these guys that are up to those higher institutions across the board, you know, they've got really got to decide on their future what they want to do. Um, you know, Nick Parker played for us, and, you know, he started out at Coastal, and now he's at UVA, pitched against the Pirates, pitched really well. But, you know, when Nick Parker was 17, 18 years old, he wasn't the guy he was today. But that took years and years of playing and, 
developing and, you know, there's different situations. There's a kid in the transfer portal right now that who's great. He's going to end up on his feet uh, somewhere. But he called after he got in the portal and said, look, I love the school I'm at, but I've got one of the best freshmen in the country in front of me. He said, the kid's better than me. He said, there's nothing around it. I just want to go somewhere and play and be a factor. And, you know, he's a great kid. He loved the program he was at. He didn't badmouth it. He just said, I just want to play. So he's gotten probably 10 legit places that he could play at, one being East Carolina. But the thing is, he's got to go where he can play because he wants to be a factor wherever he goes. A couple more things for you as we wrap up, Trey. I know, I'm Actually, I meant to lead with this. And I apologize for not doing so, but uh, if you would um, tell us about this cause right here, um, longtime coach uh, Axel Smith and uh, his situation and what folks can do to help. Yeah, so Axel, Axel, I've met Axel in 2006 or seven. I don't remember. It's back way a long time ago. Axel's a great dude. Uh, he's from Greenville. He's lived in Greenville his whole life. Um, I've gotten some really good reports that he's finally starting to recognize people, having good conversations with people. He's really turned a corner here about two weeks ago. I actually was fortunate enough to go there with Coach Gowan about a month ago, and we went and saw him. He was struggling a little bit. But he's bouncing back on his feet. I think he's in rehab right now. He had some minor implications – not minor. He had some major life implications. Um, he's a baseball junkie. He played for RV at uh, Rose. He played for Mike Fox when he was at Wesleyan. Just a great dude, man. It's, it's an unfortunate situation, but, you know, the good Lord has really turned the corner with Axel and, you know, I hope to look forward to seeing him on the baseball field here in the next year. Um, great guy though. You know, he'll give his shirt off his back um, for him. He's had three kids that play college baseball. One's playing right now. One's in the minor leagues with the twins, I, I think. Um, but just a good dude. Just, I mean, I keep saying that word, but just a genuinely good, good guy. And you'll see him out of that Clark and Claire. And he, he just, he's no stranger in the game of baseball in Greenville, North Carolina. And finally, uh, before we let you go, uh, plug your organization. Obviously you have teams from what, eight to 18 and uh, just tell folks how they can get involved if they're seeking to do so. Yeah. I think, you know, our organization, ultimately we want to help kids get to college baseball. I mean, that's that's what we want to get, want to do. We want to help you get to college baseball. We want you to be ready to play college baseball. I'm coaching the 2026 team right now. You know, we're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games. But we're ultimately going to try to make the kids baseball players uh, because we want them to go to East Carolina and North Carolina, NC State, all these schools. And then we want to watch them play in Omaha one day. So, you know, we've got seven players that played for us in Omaha this year. So um, we got a graphic coming out later today with those kids. So at the end of the day, it's about helping kids get to college baseball, help them become better players. You know, we're kind of like Cliff Godwin. If you don't want to work hard, like we're probably not the right people for you because we send 100 plus kids to school a year. Um and now they're all not Division One guys, you know, Division Two, II, Division Three, junior college. It's all about the right fit. It's just like trying on a shoe. If you wear a size nine shoe, you better get a size nine shoe. You better not get a size twelve shoe because that doesn't fit. So, you know, we play in really good tournaments across the country. We get everybody's best shot. We've had thirty four. We got thirty four big leaguers. Um, 
We've had over 300 kids drafted or around 300 kids drafted. Um, we've had 1,600, over 1,600 scholarships. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about trying to make the kid in the body as good as you can possibly. Really appreciate the time this afternoon, Trey. Um, certainly very generous with us, and um, we look forward to having you back on in the future to talk about um, more dirtbags. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think 2024 is going to be a special year for the Pirates. I just feel, you know, if they can get a couple guys on campus and get some, you know, develop some arms, I think the 2024 year could be one that East Carolina fans remember for a long, long time. Yeah, that's something uh, you know. everybody associated with the East Carolina baseball program wants Omaha so badly that I think it's very easy to lose sight of a, of the accomplishments of a team like this year, like you said, and, you've, and Coach Godwin said himself uh, yesterday on Pirate Radio, and that is just the way this team maximized its potential in his opinion, and uh, he, he really felt like it, um, it did so, and uh, winning 47 games and and winning a four straight regular season title in the American. Yeah, I actually text Coach Godwin yesterday on his on his quote about, you know, the kids earned it or whatever. He said, I said, Cliff, man, that's a great quote you put out there, but man, your staff really maximized what you had going on this year because like 47 wins and in my opinion, the team wasn't as deep as they normally are. I mean, you look across the lineup, they didn't have but a few right handed hitters in that lineup. And I know he probably rolls his eyes when he's saying that, but that's really hard when you're facing left-handed pitchers uh, at that level and have all these left-handed hitters. So the the town of Greenville and the community of Greenville really needs to like think about baseball and go, damn, they won 47 games this year. I mean, it should not be if we don't get to Omaha's bust. Omaha's really, really tough, but I can guarantee you when they get to Omaha, it will be worth it because of that staff and how they work. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, and Pirate Nation and others tuned in, really appreciate you doing so, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or listening to this archived on pretty much any podcast platform. Uh, That is Trey Daly, the general manager of the Dirtbags Baseball Organization. You can follow him on Twitter at Trey underscore Daly or at underscore the Dirtbags. So, um, again, appreciate everyone listening and watching. And – For the rest of the team here at the Sports Objective, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Bob. Appreciate it, man. Every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going.